It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Who they think they're going to beat them Bengals? It is the Locked On Bengals podcast with your hosts Joe Goodberry and Jake Lisko. Find us on Twitter at Joe Goodberry and at Jake underscore NFL. Please like, subscribe, and share as we try to grow this community and pump out daily Bengals content just for you. What up, Bengals fans, and welcome to another episode of the Lockdown Bengals podcast, your source for daily Bengals news and analysis. And uh, Joe, I'm just going to say this again, because every time it happens, I feel like we should point it out two things today, three days in a row, didn't have my mic muted, and we are still a top 25 podcast on the iTunes chart. So that's pretty cool, considering, you know, I, I guess I guess people want to listen to People talk about the Bengals right now, huh? I think the Bengals are kind of hot to talk about. Not yeah. only was it Joe Burrow and all that fun and not so fun that we had with that last month, and then free agency, and then even they keep bringing up, or at least Dolphins reporters, that the Dolphins want to get up to number one. Even though it's not a new report, they want to keep spinning it and getting as much out of it as they can, so it brings up the conversation more and more. And what Joe's referring to, we are not going to really talk about in this show, but the columnist from the Miami whatever newspaper was Armando, do you know his last Salguero? name? Salguero. Yeah, Salguero. Uh, wrote a column today that referred to a report that he made two, three weeks ago that the Dolphins wanted to trade up to get Joe Burrow. That is not new information, but it got picked up by... People that pick up things like this as if it's news. Nobody reads the articles is the thing. Uh, If you read the article, you can see that he's like linking out to his previous report. And he's just saying that it's not worth it. So we're not going to talk about that today, except that this is not a new report. So if you thought it was new news, it's not. If you're panicking, stop it. Uh, We have no indication that the Bengals are going to trade back. I was thinking we could just role play. Like, I'll be the Dolphins and you'll be Duke Tobin. And I'm going to call you and say, hey, we've got three first round picks. Are you interested? Oh. (laughs) (laughs) Right. That was basically job well done. (laughs) That's the skit. All right. So, Drake Kirkpatrick got released today. And it sounds like he has very fond feelings for Cincinnati. We're going to talk about his move. We were all expecting this. Despite some reports to the contrary early on, I think that might have been before the Mackenzie Alexander signing happened. Then we're going to talk about Todd McShay's new mock draft, his target for the Bengals at 33. We might talk a little bit about targets at 65, but it's just so weird this year. So we're going to talk about why the second round in particular is probably going to be unexpected. It's going to be a little bit weird. And then we get into... Bob McGinn over on The Athletic has talked to a bunch of scouts and he has the top prospects. And we have a quote in here on Joe Burrow that I think is pretty exciting. I I think that once you guys hear 
what a scout had to say, or maybe multiple scouts had to say. It's not clear. Yeah, it's just multiple scouts. What they had to say about Joe Burrow, there's so many reasons to be excited for this kid, but we're going to start with Drake Kirkpatrick, and he was a Bengal for a long time, released today. Drake Kirkpatrick has been a Bengal since he came into the league as a first-round draft pick with all of the lofty expectations that come with being a team's number one selection. From Alabama, he was seen as a guy that could be a good zone corner. Joe, you thought that he might actually translate better to safety in the NFL. He was a corner, an outside corner his entire career in Cincinnati. He will be remembered by some fans for his penalties, for his lack of ball skills. He'll be remembered by other fans for his big personality, by journalists for his willingness to stand in the locker room and give quotes after a tough loss, a tough game, said to be universally a very good guy. And it sounds like he has very nice things to say about Cincinnati. So I hope that with Drake Kirkpatrick, we can remember the good and the bad. I think we should use him as the baseline for our expectations of a first-round pick, at least a mid-first-round pick. And we used him the other day talking about this, saying Andre Smith, Drake Kirkpatrick, that's what you should expect at the very least, which is you've got a lot of good, you've got some bad, some inconsistency. At times, he was a long-term starter for them. I mean, he was the third corner on their all-decade team for the 2010s behind Leon Hall and Pac-Man Jones, two really good guys who had really high levels of play for a short amount of time. But... Kirkpatrick himself, I think his coverage was better than most people realize, but it was always marred by the the missed opportunities, whether that be in position and not getting a hand on the ball or the penalties, feeling like he was the one to be attacked. Remember, they, there were six first-round picks in that secondary at one point. Drake Kirkpatrick was the weak link, and offenses found ways to attack him on third downs, and it was the missed tackles and things like that, but he was energetic, he was fun. And he was a solid starter for more than a few years. Yeah, I think one thing that's often overlooked with corners is they are all going to have times that they lose. And when they lose, it's very visible because when you lose badly as a corner, you're giving up a touchdown. If you lose badly as an offensive lineman, you're giving up a sack. If you lose badly as a running back, well, the worst you can do is fumble. As a corner, it's just very visible if you get burned. You're, you're the most visible position on the football field in a lot of ways when you make mistakes. And Dre didn't make a ton of mistakes. He was generally a pretty solid player. We've talked about the negatives enough. But Joe, he, he has really solid coverage numbers. How do those look? So he had 4,700 snaps in his career with the Bengals, just about 3,000 cover snaps for the Bengals, which is pretty decent. In his career... of the targeted passes in his direction were caught, which is a really, really good number. If you look at outside corners, that's going to be ranked near the top over his span of starting. Now, when he was beaten, he'd rather take the penalty than give up the easy catch, and I think that may bring those numbers down. But they also teach guys to do that, so he executed that pretty well. He also got his hands on 41 balls in terms of pass breakups with 10 interceptions in 60 games you're talking about getting his hands on at least one every game 51 um, times he would get his hand on the ball in 60 games that's pretty good his quarterback rating when targeting him 84 which is below league average if you were targeting Drake Kirkpatrick every play now take out the penalties but you were throwing uh, below your normal percentile so a pretty solid career for a guy that I think has always been for those fans that are disappointed or like to pick on Drake Kirkpatrick, 
been a victim of expectations because he was a first round pick and he then signed a pretty big extension at the time. He was one of the higher paid corners in the league, was the highest paid corner for the Bengals. There's some false equivalencies drawn that year to the retention of Kevin Zeitler versus the retention of Drake Kirkpatrick. Zeitler got a lot more guaranteed money though, because the Browns are happy to throw around that guaranteed money. But Dre, I think, should be well-respected. I'm glad, personally, that Zach Taylor gave him the phone call. Sounds like Kirkpatrick is as well. He said, they showed me a lot of respect. They called me. They could have called my agent. I was happy to get the phone call instead of hearing about it on TV. He found out, and there's some insight here about the team's process, that they didn't do it right away, even though it was the plan, because they just had to make sure they had some other things in place first. That's how Joe and I have assumed they operate. They want to make sure they have the contingency plan in place. And it sounds like he's sticking around Cincinnati. His daughter was born there. He really likes it in Cincinnati. So with those nice things to say about the city, let's do him the honor of showing him his respect on the way out. And that's from Bengals.com, Jeff Hobson. I will remember Drake Kirkpatrick winning or sealing the Monday night football game against Peyton Manning and the Denver Broncos in just 22 snaps. He had a 98 overall grade from PFF. That's as good as you're going to get. Two interceptions, one pick six to put the game away, and then finally put the final nail in the coffin with an interception down at about the five-yard line. So I will remember that game from Drake Kirkpatrick. So a lot to remember with Drake. He had some really nice games. He had some games that we're all going to immediately forget, and they've replaced him, of course, with a guy that's very similar in coverage. And honestly, if we get less penalties and better tackling, in similar numbers in terms of passer rating against, in terms of ball production, then I think we're really happy with Trey Wayne. So we will see how all of that plays out. We're going to talk about Todd McShay's mock draft, though. He's got a new player. Maybe not the first time we've heard this player be mocked to the Bengals, but somebody that we haven't really talked about all that much on the podcast. We'll talk about that mock draft and the weirdness that we expect in the second round in just a minute. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. If you're like Jake and you don't have ESPN Insider, you probably didn't see Todd McShay, his latest mock draft. It was a two-round mock draft, so we get a little something different for the Bengals from one of the predominant experts when it comes to the draft. So number one, obviously, Joe Burrow. And I'll just read real quick what he says. He says, no surprise here, Burrow has incredible accuracy, maneuvers in the pocket with skill, and battles all game long. The Bengals need a franchise quarterback to truly fire up their rebuild, and Burrow has all the makings of a future star in the NFL. So that's to be expected. Let's roll and get to pick 33. I just want to go through some of the picks right at the end, though. I think there were some surprising ones. Starting at 25, Trevon Diggs, cornerback Alabama to the Vikings, who now need corners because the Bengals raided their secondary. Miami Dolphins at 26 get Josh Jones, tackle from Houston. That's a target of ours is gone. 27, Seattle Seahawks, Clavon Chason, edge from LSU. Baltimore Ravens, surprise pick, but I think one that is probably a sneaky need. Ross Blacklock, defensive tackle, TCU. They could probably use a free tech penetrator. Tennessee Titans at 29. Yatir Gross Matos. And that's the DM from Penn State. 
Packers at 30, not Denzel Mims, not a linebacker. It's T. Higgins, wide receiver, Clemson. 31, A.J. Terrell, corner, Clemson. And the Chiefs at 32, DeAndre Swift, running back, Georgia. So, I mean, that's a lot of guys we don't care if they go, right? So I think we're sitting here at 33, and McShay gives the Bengals Austin Jackson, offensive tackle from USC. His reasoning, last year's first-rounder Jonah Williams would be back after missing his rookie year, but that won't entirely fix the Bengals' O-line. Jackson can handle speed off the edge, which will help Burrow settle in with his new offense. Jake, are you interested in the next five picks that go in round two? I think it's some very interesting names. 34, Indianapolis Colts, Michael Pittman Jr. And man, someone that we're like opens there at 65, he's gone at 34. Maybe that's something we maybe talk about a little more at 33. Uh, Detroit Lions, and I was wrong, Jake, when we um, talked about this off air, but Cesar Ruiz goes 35 to the Lions, man. They get another center, another guard. Is that replacement for Graham Glasgow? I guess he's going to play guard there. New York Giants, 36, Denzel Mims, wide receiver out of Baylor. L.A. Chargers, Zach Bond, Edge, Wisconsin. Carolina Panthers, Christian Fulton, corner, LSU. And then Dolphins go with J.K. Dobbins, Texans, Justin Metabook. And then Grant Delpit, 41, to the Browns. I would take almost all of those guys instead of Austin I know. Jackson. I know. That's My what I was thinking. Feeling. When I first read this, I knew that that's where you would go, and I kind of feel similarly. Christian Fulton is probably the top of the list. Did Josh Jones go in the first round? Did you say his name? Yeah, to the Dolphins, 26. Okay. Because then we'd be getting real crazy if he was also still there. Yeah. I'm not very interested in Austin Jackson ahead of, like, Fulton, Bond, probably Delpit, Ruiz, definitely Mm -hmm. Mims. Even Pittman. I like Pittman more than I like Austin Jackson. Pittman in the second round, though. 34, was it? Mm-hmm. That would be disappointing for us. Let me read you what Bob McGinn, and we're going to do this more for players we're targeting, but let's uh, let's look at what he says about, or what scouts say about Austin Jackson really quick. And this is a quote. Um, the decision to enter the draft early was a surprise to many personnel people. The scout said, I couldn't believe it. One word I'd put on him is soft. He probably should have stayed in another year. If he stays in, he's a shoe-in for a top-20 pick next year. He still has a chance to go in the first round this year. Arrow's really up. He's starting to fill out more and get stronger. Pass pro's really good, like natural pass pro guy. We'll need to get better as a run blocker. And then they go on to say, I don't like him, but there's this is a different scout. These are multiple scouts, so if it doesn't really connect. He goes, I don't like him, but there's plenty of people that do. He's only 20 years old. He's very weak and just kind of average athlete, just a short area position blocker. Yeah, so that's like all the reasons that we're scared off, right? Like he's not a great mm-hmm. athlete, and 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 the strength is a huge concern, the play strength. Like you got people in my mentions saying Austin Jackson is the next Cedric Obuehi. Prove me wrong. I'm you like, can see oh, it. Yeah, maybe, except a worse athlete. Soft is what I don't want to hear. Like, if you compare that to Ezra Cleveland, no one says soft. They just say he needs to gain strength. That's different. Yeah, that's definitely different. So what would you think about that if the Bengals made that pick and went with Jackson? That's like a D grade, mm-hmm. I think, for me. Maybe. That, I think, is a, a pretty dramatic reach. It's a big projection. It's a guy that's not going to help you for 
probably at least a year, and then I have to trust Jim Turner to develop him. I like that they're attacking tackle is the only reason that it's not an F is because yeah. they're actually acknowledging we need to get better at this spot, but it's, this would be the wrong player. This would be very close for me. It's not the true sample pick because tight end is, is not tackle, and Drew Sample, we thought, was probably like a fifth-round prospect, whereas Austin Jackson, if it's third round, like you're like, okay, we could we could see this. I could see this being a developmental tackle in the third round that's only has a lot of upside, right? Like he's not a mm. developmental day three tackle. He's a developmental day two tackle. There's a difference. But it would not get a positive grade for me. I would be very disappointed. And he's he's 20 years old. He ran a 5.08 in the 40 at 34 and an eighth-inch arm. So he's got the the build, the, the the profile you want, I should say. Um, there's a chance he goes in the first round, but he's one of those guys where I'm like, take him. Like, yeah. let I don't want to make that decision. Let them go. Plus, I, if they're going to take a tackle and he's not going to start a tackle right away, I want him to be able to play guard. And I don't want Austin Jackson inside playing guard for the reasons that were described earlier by those scouts. So uh, let's go over a few of these guys that also go before pick 65 to see well, if you're interested. Before 65? Okay. So set me up for my best available at 65, sure. Because yep. we talked about how we think the second round is going to be weird, right? We, we mm-hmm. feel like, especially as not insiders, like all the things that we usually use to gain insight into what is going to happen in the second round of the draft, you know, the, the 30 visits that teams get, the teams that are attending pro days, we have none of those clues. We have none of those breadcrumbs. Very little of that information is getting to media. Like Medical rechecks, yeah, that's a big one. Yeah, we have no idea on medical rechecks either. You see two Tonga Viola uh, posted on Instagram, but like, what about what about Lavisca Chenault, the guy we talked about yesterday quite a bit? Is how's he recovering from that groin injury? That's going to have a big impact, or in a normal year would have a big impact on his draft status, and that teams don't know might drive him down boards. So yeah. that'll be a player that we can watch as kind of a barometer. And he. Uh, McShay has LaVisca Chenault going 46 to the Denver Broncos. So there's a, our transition there. Jeremy Chen, 45 to the Bucks. A um, couple running backs, which we don't care about. We don't care about Marlon Davidson, Jacob Eason. Jalen Rager, 50 to the Chicago Bears. Josh Uchi, 51 to the Dallas Cowboys. Clyde Edwards-Alaire. Uh, Jalen Johnson, Chase Claypool, 54 to the Buffalo Bills. So they keep adding to the wide receiver room. We have... Natani Muti going to the Baltimore Ravens at 55. We have Jordan Elliott going 56 to the Dolphins. Jeff Gladney, 57 to the Houston Texans. Man, that's a decent fall for him. Terrell Lewis, edge from Alabama to the Minnesota Vikings at 58. Tyler Beattis, center of Wisconsin, 59 to the Seahawks. Here's a here's a couple gut punches right at the end. Is where it picks 60 to the Baltimore Ravens. Devin Duvernay, wide receiver, Texas. Next one, Tennessee Titans. Isaiah Wilson, offensive tackle, Georgia. I'd rather have Isaiah Wilson than Austin Jackson, especially at that value. Um, after that, Jason Strobridge is the final pick for the Seahawks at 64. So the names that I was listening for that I didn't hear, did you say Ezra Cleveland at any point? He uh, went earlier, yes. I'm sorry. He, okay. he was, I believe he was a first-rounder. Oh, okay. Wow, first-rounder. Okay. Uh, Malik Harrison would be one that I'd be very interested in at that point. Mm-hmm. I think that, like, off the top of my head, that is the direction I would go. Lloyd Cushenberry, is he yeah, gone? he was not gone, so he's available. So Cushenberry, Malik Harrison. Yeah. That Linebackers, sounds... right? Yeah. No receivers, though. I mean, that run of having Chase Claypool and then Duvernay go means... Well, what about Ayuk? 
Did you go first round? You know what? I did not see Ayuk. Let me search the website real fast uh, just to see if that name comes comes up. I, Ayuk. Uh, whoa, scrolling me all the way to the top. Let's see. And it is the – yes, it's coming up here. Sorry, this is so terrible for me. There he goes. Jacksonville Jaguars, 20th pick, Brandon yeah. Ayuk. All right. So so you're really not getting a wide receiver. And and so people keep saying – and this is something that can happen, I think. People keep saying, oh, it's a deep class. You can get a wide receiver in the third round, in the fourth round. Well, no, it's it's not necessarily a deep class, especially an outside receiver. It's a very skilled class, yeah. which just means that a ton of wide receivers are likely to go in the first couple of rounds. Because yeah, I think in this strong. scenario, it would be lottery tickets, third round and after. And yeah, there's still guys like Van Jefferson, Colin Jefferson. Johnson, guys I'd like to take a chance on. Um there's a bunch of guys, Antonio Gibson. I'd like to take a chance, Antonio Gainey Golden. I'd like to take a chance on a lot of these guys, but they're fourth round lottery tickets. I don't yeah. feel as good as if I was taking Reger, Pittman, or Ayuk. Yeah, if if I had a, I mean, obviously now we have hindsight of the entire second round, but I'm going with Denzel Mims for sure mm-hmm. upon yep. consideration, and then in the third round you can take your pick. Would you rather dress offensive line or linebacker, Malik Harrison or Lloyd Cushenberry, and then off you go. Or Robert Hunt, yeah, I think he'd or be Robert in that position Hunt. since the other guys started to go off the board there at the end, um, at the end of round two. So yeah, that's how I would attack it also. And then you mentioned when I stopped recording there for a second that you could also trade up for Isaiah Wilson at the end of the second round. It wouldn't cost you a whole lot. Maybe Andy Dalton in your third round pick. We will talk about some of those Bob McGinn quotes that Joe has. We'll read you the full quote from Scouts Takes on Joe Burrow that should fill you with warm fuzzies and uh, some other interesting notes as Bob McGinn really gets some very good stuff from scouts, and we'll get into that in just a minute. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And again in segment three, we're taking you behind the paywall over the at The Athletic this time. And I think actually the subscriptions are free or the the it's waived for three or six months. I can't remember what it was since I get mine through working there, but... Um, we're taking you to Bob McGinn, who I don't remember where he used to write, but it was a Packers-based blog, and or Wisconsin-based, I should say. He's always hit, done this every year, and it's very, very informative in terms of getting an idea of what teams are thinking, how they're ranking them, getting some, some quotes on players. Bob McGinn retired in 2017, came out of retirement to work for The Athletic, but just to fill in that gap. Milwaukee Journal Sentinel since the early 1990s. Prior to that, Green Bay Press Gazette. And he's got like scattering reports going back 25, 30 years. He's been posting those on the Athletic too. They're really awesome to read and go back and look at. And he's, you know, he goes back and look at some of these famous players and see what scouts said about them. But I think there's a few players here that we'd be interested in and see what scouts say. Number one being Joe Burrow. And uh, I just wanted to read what they they came up with and and how we feel about that. So this is from, again, multiple scouts have said this. So if it doesn't all flow together, that's why. First quote, the one-year wonder does worry you a little bit, but he's put so much good stuff on tape. 
His last four or five games, that's as good as any quarterback has played in a long time. Now, he had a great supporting cast. I get that. But, man, he was dialing it up. Just average physical tools. He's not going to amaze you with his arm strength. He's a good athlete, but not a great athlete. He's not impressive, but it all came together. You love the makeup. He's a coach's son, and he has an understated swagger, kind of opposed to the overstated swagger of Baker Mayfield. Another another scout continues to go. The interesting thing about him, when you look at Burrow's face, it reminds me of Peyton Manning. You look into his eyes, you see the the determination. He's a much better athlete than Manning. He can run, I estimate, a 4-7 in the 40. Peyton more of a statue. The arm strength is about the same. And being resourceful and making excellent decisions, the composure, the confidence, the mental toughness, he's special. Man, that's nice, isn't it? Think about that. If he's Peyton Manning, or at least say the evaluation from this scout is um, at least represented inside Paul Brown Stadium and the organization, there is no amount of picks to get you to move off of that, right? No. No. And and you also hear people comparing his leadership ability and his drive to win to Tom Brady. You look at his track record, and I mean, we talked about Joe Burrow a lot, but you go back to high school, he goes to a bad football program, gets him to the state finals. Goes to Ohio State, tries to win a job, gets hurt, can't win the job. He says, you know what, I want to go win. Transfers to LSU, comes in missing spring practice, doesn't know the names of his receivers in his first game, and uh, has a pretty successful average quarterbacking year in a much well I guess I shouldn't say it's harder than the Big Ten because of all, all of our Ohio State fans will freak out but uh, the SEC is the hardest conference in college football and then mm-hmm. he comes out and and absolutely rallies to be the greatest quarterback maybe in college football history this year the greatest year of college quarterback play in history so I mean this guy is constantly ascending and it's hard not to like that from a personality level and if you're comparing his accuracy and his poise to Manning, to Brady, to Steve Young, some people have said. Uh, you can't, I mean, you can't talk me out of that. And there's shades of Drew Brees you hear from people too. I mean, it's weird to get comparisons like this. It is very weird, but they're lofty because like you're getting them from people that wouldn't usually say like, oh yeah, this is Peyton Manning. Well, yeah, maybe a scout you... would, but I don't know. Maybe if you don't follow this stuff as in tunely as, as Jake and I do, these comparisons don't get thrown around. In fact, they get laughed at when that happens. Mm-hmm. Like you shouldn't do that. You should never compare them to this guy and you shouldn't. Um, but man, you're getting that with this quarterback class. Cause even here on um, Tua Tungvaloa, this one scout, and I'm not going to go through all the quarterbacks here. I just think it's interesting that the next guy Tua, he goes, he's a left-handed Pat Mahomes. He does some of the same things Mahomes does, gets out of the pocket, doesn't need to set his feet, can throw the ball the length of the field. He is short, but so is Kyler Murray. I didn't want to like him because he's so unorthodox. I And I could be the quarterback there with the backs and the line and the receivers they have. But you look at the LSU game, and he's never been in a tougher situation in his life, and he bought, brought them back. I mean, that's high praise for Tua also, which is what – I mean, we like Tua as well, if it was even ever a consideration. But the injury made the decision for us. And, again, I'm going to go with the guy who is projected to be number one and compared by this scout or a couple scouts, it seems, to Peyton Manning. I have an issue. So this is where you have an issue with scouts, right? Like you find that they say things, and you're like, man, what are you talking about? Because if you're talking about – I feel like he's talking about him as if he has the arm strength of Patrick Mahomes. Talking about he's Patrick Mahomes, and then in the same next sentence, he he can throw at the length of the field. Well, he's actually pretty bad. I'm, like the weakness of his game 
according to uh, Greg Cassell, is his deep ball. So I, you're going to have I think differing he has opinions. Good deep accuracy. I think his trajectory at times and his velocity lacks what pay, what Pat Mahomes can easily flip it. And it's oh, yeah. Nobody else can do that in the NFL right, right now. Right. I wouldn't compare that. I would say – and some have compared him to Drew Brees, which I think is completely okay for me. That's who I thought of when I watched Tua was sure. like I see shades of Russell Wilson and, re- and his reaction time and his secondary reaction, but I see like his conducting of the offense as Drew Brees and that ball placement sure. and accuracy. Um, the, the, the funny thing about Justin Herbert in this is that he gets compared to Carson Palmer for, for his demeanor. Cause that's one of the things that gets pointed out by Herbert is that he's kind of a, uh, he just goes with it. Yeah. And the quote is his demeanor reminded me of Carson Palmer. Um, Carson Palmer would come off the field when something went wrong and Norm Chow would scream at him and he would shrug his shoulders and just go over there on the bench and sit down. I see the talent. I don't see the fire. Jared Goff had the same type of personality. Excellent family, quiet, not outgoing. He's smart, but doesn't have the aggressive personality. Yeah, and and if you're the Bengals, you really want to. You're going to see Justin Herbert's personality. I mean, they got to coach him in Mobile, so they probably know better than this scout. Unless this is a Bengal scout, uh, you're you're going to draft another guy with that mentality after what you went through with Carson Palmer. And Carson actually tried. Like, he tried to make change. I don't know. I, I don't see the argument for Herbert regardless. I, I want to talk about some of these defensive guys, though. Let's talk about some linebackers real quick. I was, I was going to say these receivers, too, are interesting. There was a linebacker. I don't have time to do both. Maybe we stick with the offense today and we get back to the defense tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah, let's do that because I think they're not very high in Denzel Mims based on this, but love Rager and Ayuk. So what do you want to hear? You want to hear Mims first? Yeah. Okay, so this, this scout goes – I would have thought, no way in the world, just watching him on tape, that he was a top 50 prospect. He's a big guy and ran fast. You see he's got savvy, hands, good route runner, kind of limited route tree at Baylor, just kind of a catch-and-get-tackled guy. You didn't see the deep speed. Um, had a big big week at the senior bowl, Bob McGinn carries on, and, the, and then the scout jumps back in. Is he has strength and hands, but I don't think he's anything special. In the Big 12 championship game, Parnell Motley of Oklahoma totally shut him down, and that guy's a late-round pick. He's a guy that makes the possession catches, talking about Mims. Well, we've all talked about the fact that if you watch Mims on tape or you saw Mims at the Senior Bowl, you're going to have very different opinions of Denzel Mims. If you watch him on tape, you can see some of the strengths that translate, but you don't see any of that athleticism. And I I don't think he's a 4-3-8 play speed guy. I, I, he, he's actually just not. I mean, we can just say that as a fact, but the fact that he can run that fast, he is that big, and he was so dominant at the Senior Bowl, advanced in terms of some of his route running techniques, his separation techniques at the top of vertical routes. I, I'm higher on him than the scout, but, I mean, the same thing can be said for Josh Jones. If you only watch Josh Jones on tape, you're going to come away with a worse opinion than if you – depends on how you feel about the Senior Bowl. Yeah. Uh, next guy here, Brandon Ayuk, um, was a backup in 2018, said one scout. Nobody even knew who the guy was prior to the season. Each game, the guy improved. He's much better than Nikhil Harry, the guy that last year that went in the first round, who we like, Jake. That guy was a jumper, but Ayuk is a separator. He ran a 4-5-3 in the 40 and had a 10-7 broad jump. The quote continues, really a utility player similar to Debo Samuel. Not a natural receiver, more of a jack-of-all-trades, just quick routes, end-arounds, returns. He's tough and had some explosiveness in route running, and he scored a 23 on the Wonderlick. 
Sure. I mean, I don't what do you, I don't know what I'm supposed to take away from that to be honest. That uh maybe no. it's just because I don't know Brandon Ayuk that well as a player, but I I feel like he's just talking about like I don't know, the Debo Samuel comparison's interesting. Yeah, I think so too. And I'll go on to Jalen Rager because I think that's these are the three receivers we should be aware of at thirty three. Yeah. Um this this one's much more exciting and enticing. I think brings us back to probably where we were in January on Rager. Uh, this quote, the the scout goes, "Holy cow, he's exciting." I think he's he said, "Holy of, shit, Joe." Oh, I see. Maybe right. The cows in <laughs> parentheses. Either way, <laughs> holy wow. Let's go with. He was one of the guys I was most excited about. He's an explosive playmaker. He is an explosive, as explosive a receiver as I saw this year. I haven't seen a better punt returner either. I thought he was the most explosive route runner on tape. How many times can we say explosive? One more time, please. He'll go up over over people with bodies around him, a little bit raw, strong hands, but a lot of easy drops. You're always going to have to deal with drops, but he is a playmaker. Maybe one of these guys will eventually just buy a damn jugs machine like we've been asking John Ross to do because there's <laughs> like actually proof that it works is, is just the craziest thing. Buy a jugs machine, stop dropping balls, Work a little bit harder. I want to see what they have to say about Josh Jones. So they say that he stood out in Mobile. His performance was a little inconsistent during the season. This is exactly what I said. That'll hurt him. He's not as clean as some of these other guys. Not an elite athlete, but a good athlete. Uses length well. Knows how to play. Gets on guys. Definitely top 50. So the same thing I was saying. There's a lot of these guys that have very divisive, like or took a big step from their tape to the Senior Bowl or, or something similar to, to that. And it's going to depend on how much these teams value the Senior Bowl. And this year, I expect the Bengals to highly value the Senior Bowl. Yeah, I think that makes sense, too, based on the tape. Because um, there is some games that you watch, and it's, you know, hit or miss. There's also Isaiah Wilson. We already read Austin Jackson in segment two, so if you're interested in that, you might want to go back if you weren't paying attention. I'm going to go with Isaiah Wilson next. Uh, last, goes, this will be the last one. No, so no Ezra Cleveland? because well, they're kind of, you got to pick They one. sound like... They sound like they're high on Cleveland. I got to pick one. All right. I We talked about Cleveland enough. I think people should be introduced to Isaiah Wilson, the tackle out of Georgia. Six, six and a half, three fifty. Quote goes, he is one ta- tough, nasty guy. He's the right tackle, but I guess you could play him at left and get by. He needs to learn how to use his hands more. He's strong and really nasty. They note that he ran a uh, five, three, seven, which is pretty slow for tackle. I think people are asleep on him. He could play on the left side. He's enormous. He's just not as clean of a package as, as Thomas, Andrew Thomas, the other Georgia tackle. Thomas is a cleaner kid, but there's film of Wilson where he looks every bit as good as Thomas. Sign me up. Trade up right. at the bottom of that McShay third round. Let's go. Right. And, and skip Austin Jackson, please. Give me a 350-pound nasty guy that you put at right guard and then right tackle. Oh, he sounds perfect. Jim Turner would love that. Yes, I wouldn't be surprised if this is a Jim Turner banging on the table kind of guy for Isaiah Wilson. Anyway, we're out of time. We'll talk about some of the defensive guys tomorrow because I think hearing what these scouts have to say is really fun. If you want to read the full encyclopedia of quotes from Bob again talking to scouts, they're over at theathletic.com. They were on March 17th, so a couple of weeks ago. We got a top prospects on offense article, a top prospects on defense article, Bob McGinn has been getting us good insight from professionals uh, for quite a while. Oh, one last thing I want to note, because this is really interesting. Nobody's going to be listening anymore either, is the thing. Jonah Williams is an all-star compared to this guy. Awful, he's upright, he's a stiff guy. Who is this about? Jedrick Wills? Jedrick Wills. 
We were talking earlier before we recorded about which tackles in this class you might want instead of Jonah, Jonah uh, Williams. Anyway, that is actually going to do it for the Lockdown Bengals podcast. We'll be back tomorrow. Going to talk about our shadow teams a little bit, I think. And then, uh, of course, later this week, we've got the mailbag coming up. So get your questions ready. Until then, have a good one. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.